three, two, one, action. Welcome. This is a short podcast just to introduce Mika and I as the coordinators for DTM. So I'm Peter Lloyd. And my name is Mika Vanderbilt. So what we're going to do today in this podcast is we'll introduce ourselves by discussing some statements that we have both put together. We've put together some statements about our beliefs about design. Uh, we won't go into much detail today about the content of the course. If you want to know more about the course, you will learn more about that in the opening lecture. And also you can find more information on Brightspace. And we will talk a little bit about our hopes for the course today. So, yeah, back to the statements. In the opening lecture, we showed the, a list of statements, which are kind of beliefs that we've had or, or um, lessons from our experience as teachers, but also as, as people. And the background to this is that when you study for a PhD at Delft, when you go to present your PhD at the end of all, all your research, you also make a series of statements. And some of those statements are based on what you found in your PhD, your four years of research. But some of the statements are just things that you've come to believe over the over the years that you've been doing your PhD or, or indeed over your life experiences in general. And we thought this would be a really nice way of introducing ourselves to everyone more from a personal perspective. So you kind of get an idea of what we think about design theory methodology, obviously, but also what you, what we think about other things, our kind of our, our personal lives. More about finding out about us as individuals, I think. And although we've seen each other's lists and we showed them in the in the lecture, we don't know which ones we're going to discuss. Mm -hmm. So we haven't discussed these previously. All all the statements. If you haven't seen the statements, if you couldn't make it to the opening lecture, they are in the show notes for the podcast. Have a look at those now if you haven't seen them before. So. I'm going to ask Mika about one of her statements. So the first statement I want to ask Mika about is gender diversity in design teams. You say that that's important because women tend to have a problem focus and men tend to have a solution focus. What has led you to have this? <laughs> yeah, so this. there's this, uh, it's a bit of an old fashioned book. Men are from Mars and uh, women are from Venus. And there's this theory in this book that uh, men, they are really uh, solution focused, whilst women, they really like to talk about problems. So what that means is, and this is over in life, in, 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 general. Life, okay, in, right. in general life, this is overgeneralized, by the way. So this is not true for all men and all women. But in general, apparently, that's the case. So whenever there's a problem, say, I'm riding on my bike, and I have a flat tire, and I get really frustrated and sad and it's raining as well <laughs> and I come home and I say to my husband oh my god I have a flat tire and it's raining and look really angry the first thing my husband uh, would say is well let's repair your flat tire right <laughs> so that really frustrates most women because they're not looking for a solution they're just le looking for a way to let Empath out empathy and understanding empathy and, and understanding yep. okay. Uh, and the other way around, most men, they don't like it when they come up, you know, when they have a certain problem that the person they're talking to doesn't come up with a solution. So obviously, because I'm not a man, I don't have that experience. But that's apparently, you know, how for a lot of men and women, that's that's how it works. So I was thinking, if you look at design, 
uh, and we will talking we'll be talking about this in in the next podcast as well. In design, you have a part where you're looking at the problem, where you're where you're framing your problem and really exploring the problem space. And there's this space where we really need to come up with solutions, and they don't necessarily come after the problem. You do both at the same time. So mm. I was thinking. Is it maybe the case that men like to dive into solutions more than women on average do? And the other way around, if women, you know, like to explore problems more, then we should make sure that in every design team we have this gender diversity. So we have we have the balance yeah, yeah. between people at least we have the balance between people who like the problem exploration and uh and the people who would like to, you know, come up with solutions. Yeah. So okay. that's why the different ways of thinking. Yeah. I, I know a joke about that. Oh. <laughs> There's a couple in a relationship and the, the woman says to the man, I think we're at a crossroads in our relationship. I think we either need to work out whether we're going to stay together or whether we're going to split up. And there's a pause and the man says, that's not a crossroads, that's a T-junction. <laughs> <laughs> different ways of thinking. Very different ways of thinking, yeah. <laughs> but you need, you, need, you need both in a team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's where the statement is coming from. So I've also been looking at your statements, Vito, and uh, I thought they were all very interesting. But I selected the ones that really make me think. And the first one is, you said, uh, to learn about light, take photographs, and to learn about wind, go sailing. Okay, I mean, that, that comes from some of the hobbies that I've had, but also thinking about what you learn when you do something. And I guess also the difference between theory and practice. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to teach someone about light, maybe a scientist or there's also all sorts of things that you can say about photons, about, you know, how eye, receptors in eyes and psychology of perception and things. But actually, one of the best ways and you wouldn't naturally think of this is to take photographs or study photography, mm. because then you learn about when is the light the best? What types of light are there? How does that affect a, a camera? What do you need to look for? Uh, so it's something that you actually learn about as well as learning about something else too. And also sailing is another thing I think is that learning about wind, what is wind, where does it come from? There's a kind of, I guess you could learn all the theory about that, but if you actually sail, you sort of think, where's the wind's coming over, over there? How's it going to push me over there? And you learn to work with something on a sort of, in a physical way, in a sort of embodied way. It's the, it's the learning that happens when you're trying to learn something else. That's what I think. When you sort of reflect on what, what, what you actually get if you learn to take photographs or you learn to take yeah. sailing is an understanding yeah. of these these phenomena, these sort of yeah. scientific phenomena. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize it from uh, from sailing. I like to do sailing as well. And uh, I learned to kind of read the wind, read the waves. Yeah. You know how you can see the wind on the on the waves. And I sort of suddenly realized that, you know, that this is actually something you learn from sailing. Yeah. Yeah. What does it teach us for design, you think? Well, I think if I relate it to something like design methods, design methods are this sort of tool that take you through a process. But there's all sorts of other things that you learn in the process. I mean, one of my other statements is every design process is a learning process. And you tend to discount those things. You tend to focus on the thing that you're trying to learn and, and discount the other things that you, you are learning. And that's why I think reflection helps you look back at the larger things, the things that you might miss. Yeah, it's about kind of experience and reflecting on experience, but but the feeling of things too, yeah. the embodied yeah. uh, nature of yeah. learning. Nice. So the second statement from you that I was interested in was, 
We need better questions in politics, not better answers. So I wondered what you meant by a question and what you meant by an answer. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and that's also a recent one. The gender diversity one is a very old one. But this, <laughs> this, this one about politics is very new. I guess it comes from a frustration with politics in which uh, politicians are always almost fighting with each other about what the best answer is to a certain complex um, problem. So let's say we're talking about migration, immigrants, and the answer is either we need to let immigrants in or we should keep them out. And that's in the politics, in the uh, debates, that's all they talk about. Whilst I always think, well, you know, this is a complex problem. Is this even the right question to ask? Should we let migrants in or not? Uh, it's actually about, you know, how we, how we can create uh, a better society for everyone um, and how can we that there, get there. And then instead of arguing about the, the answers, I would really love uh, to have a political party or a politician that says, well, we don't know the answer, but... Uh, we think that this is the right question to ask and this is how we're going let's to explore uh, that question. Let's, let's explore it and then see where we get. Yeah, I think there's, um, I think in Ireland, maybe Finland, fin it's always Finland. Finland always has the answer to these questions. But uh, in Ireland, I think they begin to have citizen assemblies, they're called. So they're sort of big working groups where you explore questions related to something. Yeah. Uh, well, it relates to one of my statements too about Brexit too. I think that's it. That's the result of posing a very simple question yeah, yeah. or not thinking about the right question to yeah, ask, I think. Yeah. Talking about that statement, that was the second statement, obviously, that I was going to select for you as a UK citizen. So your statement was, Brexit would have been much easier if the UK government had used design thinking. Well, I have a background in design thinking. I've created courses in design thinking, distance learning courses. So I'm, although I'm very suspicious of some ways that design thinking is, is used, I think it's a powerful way of, of getting people to collaborate and think in a solution-oriented uh, way. And I think Brexit is one of those times where thinking about what the solutions might be at the beginning would have informed the process. I, I actually wrote a blog post on this. I, I keep a blog, it's in the show notes, but there's a, a, a blog post called The Design Problems of Brexit. So when you look at the practicalities of what you have to do, you have things like frictionless trade agreements or um, uh, customs customs unions. And th th these, are, these are all pr practical problems that need to be solved. But if you start from those problems, then you, you probably end up with a different question to begin with. Early imagining of the scenarios that would have come out of Brexit would, mm. would maybe have stopped the, <laughs> stopped the chaos now, now that you see in the UK. Mm. Um, maybe, they, maybe they wouldn't, but uh, I think it's, a, it's a, an approach that certainly government's beginning to use and I think it, it, it does begin to open up more interesting, more complex ways of thinking. Yeah, that's also what we see that more and more governments are actually starting to hire designers um, to work on these kind of challenges. Okay, maybe one more quick uh, statement. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was interested in you saying a focus on STEM subjects in education should be complemented with systems thinking and art. Yeah, so STEM, for those listeners who are not familiar with the term, uh, stands for science, technology, engineering, engineering, and maths. And maths. Yeah. 
So they're the kind of a subject that now really promotes it in, uh, in primary school. And we feel like, you know, kids should kind of know these things. But I think it promotes only one way of thinking. So in one of the podcasts, we will be talking, I think that's the, the next podcast, we will be talking about rational problem solving. And that's exactly what we learn uh, in these kind of, uh, of uh, subjects. It's also a very reductionist way of thinking, as we call it. So reductionism means that, you know, if you want to solve a problem, you break it up into smaller pieces and then solve each of those and then kind of put it all back together. Put it all yeah. back together. Whilst we really need more holistic ways of looking at things as well. So that's why I think it's really important that kids also learn the basics of systems thinking, you know, how, how things relate to each other and how it becomes a bigger whole. And I think I, I put the arts there because I think there are also a lot of things that we can't actually capture in numbers, in science or in, in, in mathematics or in engineering uh, that have to do with meaning and the meaning of life in general. And I think the arts are really uh, important in general to to get us to uh, explore those uh, meaningful elements of life. So that's um, why I think it's important that we keep those things throughout education, uh, starting in primary education. There's also the idea of art being about craft, the sort of artful people and artful ways of doing things. Uh, they have a sort of quality and, you, and we appreciate that quality. We yes. appreciate those qualities yeah. of, of yeah. how people do things in a clever yeah. way or, yeah. you know, a crafted way. The cra uh, So you can imagine the craft of science, yes. I think, is an interesting juxtaposition where you think of science as a very kind of rational process. But then you look at a, 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 a good scientist and there's this craft there that they probably don't yes. even know that they're doing, but it's yes. sort of kind of... Yeah, experience and it's also related to this reflective practice that we're going to talk about in the next podcast. And I think the problem that we now have in universities is that because students are uh, get taught this rational problem solving in primary school and high school, by the time they get to design, now we actually have to teach them that there's there's something else as well. You know, uh, whilst to it, bring back the art, into, yeah, into, bring it back <laughs> into the STEM. Exactly. I have one one last one. Okay, so you stated that <laughs> golf is the most complex of all sports and contains the most lessons for life. Tell me more I about that. I thought you might pick up on that yeah. one. Yeah. I play a lot of sports. I've always okay. sports always been a big part of my life and I think it's it's a good metaphor for education, also for design. It's a good source of metaphors. So I played a bit of squash, I like cycling, I like swimming. And then a few years ago I, I took up golf and I thought, God damn, this is a difficult sport. It takes a long time, and there are lots of things that can happen. So it's a bit like life. You know, the, you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and, and lots of things change. You know, the weather changes. But most of all, I think you're faced with your own failure a lot of the time. So you have these, maybe it's a male-female thing again, but as a man, you sort of think, I'm sure I'm going to make that shot. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely convinced, you know, because I, I have a belief in my own ability. And then you hit a terrible shot. And then you have quite a few minutes to think about that shot. So when you play tennis or squash, it's a very rhythmic activity. Golf, you have to generate this own rhythm. And then you have these long periods where you dwell on your, your recent <laughs> failure. <laughs> so there's a lot of kind of trying to learn from failure. And then there's the bigger thing of, you know, the, the whole game after you've played 18 holes and it may have been a success or it may not have gone, but there's usually a whole whole sequence of things that could 
shoulda, woulda, coulda is a is a phrase that I often think of in in golf. If only I'd done this, and if only if I'd done that. And um, so compared to the other sports that I play, it's a, it's the sport I spend most time thinking about now. But yeah. that's maybe a reflection of my age. But yeah. uh, I well, think it I think it also has a very bad reputation. So you know, I'm I'm always suspicious of telling people that I play golf because they think. Oh, you're that sort of person, are you? So. Well, I used to play golf. Oh, okay. Um, before I moved to Australia, I might pick it up again. And I very much recognize that, that frustration, intense frustration. <laughs> yes. like. But also absolute purity of experience when yes. when you hit, hit a golf ball and something, everything connects. And you have those experiences in yes. life too. You don't quite know where they come from. Or it's like having a you know, an insightful idea about something. Yes. It just seems to arrive yeah. from above. Yeah. And you have those moments in golf it's, yeah. it, quite regularly and that keeps you pl- coming back for more yeah. despite all the failure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get excited now. I should go get back on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was uh, really interesting. So hopefully that's given you a quick overview of some of our thoughts about uh, life and what we're interested in, but also how it relates to uh, design and methodology. So we've been working on this, developing this course for quite a while, I think six months now. We've been talking about it a lot and planning it a lot, and it's a big system. Mm -hmm. And I wondered what your hopes for the course now. Now now the course is just beginning. What would you like the students studying the course to take away at the end, do you think? Yeah, that's a really nice question. So what my hopes are for the course in general, my personal hopes (laughs) is to uh, be surprised. So I really hope that the students uh, will come up with all kinds of ideas, theories we haven't heard about, um, maybe uh, links to practices that we weren't familiar with, and that we will learn a lot from That we learn a lot about. That uh, we learn a lot, uh, and that the coaches learn a lot, and that the students learn a lot, so that we're all learning together. The other thing I hope for the students is that they really start to appreciate the diversity of perspectives that they each bring, coming from different uh, backgrounds, from different countries, different educational backgrounds, uh, and that that, that diversity is actually very rich, that we don't have to all do design in the same way, but it's actually good that we develop our own practice. So that's the second thing I hope. And the third thing I'm hoping is that students will really start to um, uh, appreciate the value uh, that you can find in theory for your design practice. So that this just this is not just a course to get credits for in university, but actually if you start exploring this whole field of design theory and methodology, there's a whole lot to learn there and to take uh, for to take your with own, you. yeah. to take with you for your own design practice. What about you? What are your hopes for this course? I think I yeah, I sh- I share your your hopes. I think one of the things that certainly that I'd like students to take away and that I think we've tried to build into the course is the idea of of dialogue and discussion. We're having a discussion now, we're having a dialogue. But also I think there are other ways of thinking about that in terms of methods and tools that somehow they you have a dialogue with the world outside you and that can be other people in the process, it can be other, you know, the diverse opinions of others, but also what you choose to use as a method or a tool. That that it's a way of generating information that you can sort of converse with somehow. What a dialogue does, and it doesn't have to be between two people, it can be between three people, but what it does is it forces you to take a position. So we're not teaching knowledge as such, fact-based knowledge. We're teaching a sort of a discussion that I think as you mature as a designer, 
you become more convinced about your position in that discussion. So I think in some of the podcasts, my hope is that students will say, oh, yeah, I, I, I really think what this person is saying is good and I disagree with the other person. So you're, you're taking a position in the discussion. Uh, so it's that idea of taking a position, I mm -hmm. think, that, mm -hmm. that we've tried to get into the course, that at the end of the course, if you have a stronger idea of who you are and what your sort of limitations are and where you need support, I think that will have been a success. So yeah. I don't know whether we'll achieve that, but that's my hope. So finally, just to let you know that along with each podcast, you can find a transcript of what we're talking about. If you find that you've, ha you've misheard things or we've gone too quickly, uh, some of the interviews that we've had, people speak very quickly. So you can always find a transcript and you always can uh, look through the transcript. And along with the transcript, you'll find the show notes. And we've put some brief show notes together to allow you to sort of explore things in a little bit more detail. We don't expect you to look at everything, but I think if you find something interesting, you just want to know a little bit more. We've just put down a few trails that you can follow that will get you deeper. And it will also help with the assignments that, we, that you, you get too, to have that little bit of extra knowledge. So it's something to follow up if, you, if, if you're interested. Okay, so that's it for our introduction today. Uh, good luck with your first uh, team assignments and uh, look out for the next podcast where we will start talking about design, design theory, theory and methodology. And methodology.